मोहब्बत करनी है हमने मोहब्बत की है इस दिल के अलावा किसी से भी ना हमने इजाजत ली है इश्क का किसी किसी को आता है जान लुटा के दुश्मन की हमने हिफाजत की है बात करते हैं हजारों है तजुर्बा हम यारों बात करते हैं हजारों है तजुर्बा हम यारों ऐसी है बांध लू मुझ पे वो जो पठान मेरी जान महफिल ही लुट जाए दे दे जो जुबान मेरी जान उस पे मर मिट जाए Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this week's Action for Everyone for this here, February 5th, 2023. I am, as always, your host, Mike Scott, joined by the inimitable Vice Victus. Vice, how are you today? Hey, February is cool as fuck. What's going on? What's going on with movies? What's going on in life? So many things, but so, so, so much nothing. The void of time and space. Wow. It so is. Then- it is cold as fuck, man. It's cold here. And we've actually had here, we've had uh, red days, which basically mean if you go outside, the air will kill you. So uh, it's been it's been bad. Um, and like, like new space. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Liam O'Donnell rocking his action for everyone shirt can be found on redbubble.com. Liam, how are you today? Good. I, that vice was that like, were you going a little macho man there? Because it started like to go into a, a macho man vibe. Like, oh, yeah, it's cold. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've also been uh, avoiding the discourse and um, and just watching Donnie Yen movies. Um, so uh, I feel like I'm I'm, I'm going to be a passenger on this pod and uh, and let you guys carry me through. Well, and that is that is a good good segue to bring up this week. We don't have a guest, as you guys know. We've had some pretty banger guests the past couple of weeks, and we've got a couple pretty banger ones lined up for the next couple of weeks. We kind of decided we wanted to, you know, for lack of a better term, half-ass it this week. We've all had life stuff going on. We've all been busy, and so this is going to be kind of just a a free flowing check in episode. Check in with with everybody listening. Make sure you're all are doing well. Your mental health is okay. All that sort of stuff. We got some some advice and some yo vice stuff and some meathead corner questions. So we'll we'll talk about those. And vice and I did manage to see a couple of movies, so we'll we'll review those. So uh, let's go ahead and start with those. So vice. Uh, of the two you saw, which do you want to talk about first? Wandering Earth 2 or Knock at the Cabin? Uh, let's do Wandering Earth 2. Just, it's a little more action-focused, so comparatively, compared to the other one. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I was able to see uh, the latest uh, sci-fi, Chinese sci-fi blockbuster, The Wandering Earth Part 2, uh, sequel to, the, uh, uh, of course, Wandering Earth, um, which is, a, again, a, a kind of a big marquee sci-fi movie in China. Um, based on a, a popular novel um, about essentially it's a really high concept sci-fi where uh, there's a solar solar crisis the or the uh, the galaxies or the solar system is going to explode uh, so in the early uh, in the near future humanity essentially uh, straps rockets to the earth's ass and moves it out of orbit 
it sounds kind of crazy, but I guess apparently like a some of the like physics or is that kind of well reality based, but you know it's all you know in the service of crazy sci-fi stuff. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So the first movie was uh you know pretty uh hmm all right kind of like uh somewhere between Armageddon and the core and even a little, a little bit of Interstellar. Like uh, there's a, a strange mix of melodrama and craziness, but also like sincerity and heart to it. You know, definitely like you know, one of those uh hope for humanity kind of things. So yeah, it was uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, and so here with the sequel, this is actually a, a prequel. This kind of explains how the in the, the story of, of the world in this movie, in this series, um, and how the, the, the calamities on Earth, how they came to be to make this uh this big move of, of the, the wandering earth earth spaceship stuff. And um <clears throat> yes, yeah, so like I said, whereas the first movie is kind of more, you know, uh, more over the top, more kind of broad, and there's still some of that here, but I was really surprised that it's um a pretty heavy kind of pensive sci like hard or not hard sci-fi but uh it's, it's very takes us so seriously like there's a lot of thought-provoking questions about nature existence and stuff in that um in the movie but also it's like a fucking dope-ass sci-fi action blockbuster um actually it reminded me very much of, of way of water in a lot of ways and kind of spiritually and structurally how you know it's a there's big action piece set pieces and like a kind of a longer middle section until they just kind of ponder existence and stuff like that and then like a big like a big you know uh heart heart swelling uh, finale um with full of explosions and also you know in tears and then you know all that stuff um so yeah i really enjoyed this one this time around. but like i said it, it definitely felt like a, a pretty different vibe from it all um so i guess action wise uh I, well, like i said like there's a pretty big uh like the first act like the first 30 minutes i guess or about is a really large like uh, air, air air battle uh airplanes and drones and like a giant cool ass uh, space elevator it, it, lots of it's lots of great um tangible sci-fi stuff in this movie like they got mech, mech suits and, and and robot drones and uh and uh, underwater like suits and and, and uh, quantum computers like a lot of like a lot of like, like you know sci-fi stuff you know quote unquote stuff it's just really like you know it really you know it's it's good blood going but also at the heart of it too is this really uh these really like a uh, pretty mm, profound or at least you know very serious thought or heartfelt uh, questions about reality existence you know the meaning of life the uh, the purpose of life or the nature of life well that, that kind of you know all the all the, all the high-minded sci-fi gobbledygook that makes it worth it really worth worth digging into so yeah it's, uh, it's, it's really just a fascinating time to just kind of sit back and just kind of let it all overtake you both all the big visuals and also just the uh the heart because uh, because again like uh even even though the um the main uh crux of it is like the actual the physics and the logistics of moving the earth <laughs> there's also a pretty big uh, component of like a uh, uh ai and uh well the the a whole there's a whole storyline about the how humans can save their minds digitally basically um well, yeah, which is which is really comes comes in a lot of sci-fi in the past and, pre and present um but the way it kind of intertwines that uh, saving humanity as digital, and how it interacts with the uh, the AI, the quantum computer, which is integral to their to the logistics uh, of the uh, space uh, uh, moving. Yeah, just a really interesting thing, mix of stuff going on, mix of you know, sci-fi elements going on. And uh, yeah, it's had a really good time just like taking all of it in and uh, you know just you know getting my mind blown, and then having getting you know getting also have having something to think about to chew on afterwards. Yeah, um, I, I guess it's you know limited release uh, here in the U.S., but uh, if you can find it where near you, I would definitely recommend it. And like I said, because it's a prequel, so 
you don't really have to see the first film to get into this one. It's, it's really, it's definitely more of a standalone. But you know, it like all sequels, all good sequels, like they kind of one reinforces the other. So you know, if you get a chance, definitely see the first one on Earth, which is on Netflix right now, actually. Um, maybe if you can. Yeah, yeah, I had a good time with this. Good stuff. Yeah, I think the I think I think you like like again all that all that um tactile sci-fi stuff, but also with a part to it, you know. I, I think it's definitely up your alley. I, I've always been curious about it, and uh, you know, I love I love Emmerich and, and Bay's big you know '90s disaster movies. So it, it it is one of those ones that always seems up my alley, but um, just never have have seen the first one. But I definitely want to watch that uh, before seeing this one. And what a concept, The Wandering Earth. Great, great pitch. You buy it on the <laughs> elevator. <laughs> well, and uh, I, I did not see the second one, but I have seen the first one. And I was wondering when I f- first heard that it was announced before I knew it was a prequel, I guess spoilers for the original Wandering Earth that Wu Jing is back. And I'm like, OK, huh? but uh, I guess you're not going to make you're not going to make a major Chinese blockbuster without Wu Jing. So you're going to figure out some way to bring him back. Um, because- yeah, oh, oh, I, should, I should mention, like, um, you know, uh, spoilers like, uh, well, about the concept of spoilers. So it's just a pretty interesting thing, thing in this movie where, um, yes, we know what's going to happen. If you've seen the first movie, you know what's going to happen. But uh, there's events, like uh, there's catastrophic events, like, you know, the uh, um, solar flare crisis, uh, moon moon crisis, like actual story points. But the, they use these plot points as like almost literal chapters of bookends, chapter pages of bookends. Like it's using, it kind of leans, leans into the um, knowing what's going to happen uh, element of movies a lot more than i've seen in, in, in other movies before like uh and but still like you know like like, cha- like chapter one quote unquote is like uh you know uh space elevator uh, battle happened like elevator battle in 44 minutes it tells you what's going to happen in, in the next few minutes but it uses that to like kind of really interestingly like uh, get a lot of drama and tension out of it like you know what's going to happen but like how's it all going to get there really works really well but yeah just yeah just really interesting like story stuff and like Story and structural stuff going on with it, while still being a you know great you know, sci-fi blockbuster. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, you know they've added some some big some big cast members too uh, as well um, because you know Andy Lau is in it, and if I I don't remember him in the first one, it's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, you know you've got you've got you've got some new some new folks in it uh the one drawback for me is that it is three hours long which is a uh the first one was not three hours long so i <laughs> i yeah I, I definitely will not see this one until it comes out on yeah. probably I'm guessing. yeah I, I gotta say like uh like i didn't i actually didn't uh look, look up the time going beforehand to the dewey theater i just kind of figured it'd be like two two hours and a half, two and a half hours so but like as i was going i really didn't feel it like 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 i said similar to um way of water i was just kind of like that swept up in it all. So it's like, yeah, they kind of just not flew by, but you know, I, it took his time and I was all, 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 all time with it. It was great. That's awesome. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Um, so good, good A4E recommendation. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, uh, you know, with caveats, like again, um, if you're listening and you, you, if you're familiar with Chinese blockbusters, there's a bit of a grain of salt to them all. You gotta like kind of expect some, or I'll say, if you're uncomfortable with nationalism or any kind of like propaganda-ish stuff, you gotta be aware of that going in. I will say there's probably less of that in this compared to the first movie, uh, more so because actually, and I think there's a very, um, there's a very strong um, international flavor to it too. Like both in the text of the story and the production, like they actually like do film in New York. Well, 
that I could tell, there are some scenes actually filmed in New York as opposed to like you know like faking out a, a background. Um, but also like the, like the international cast, like uh, all the characters, you know, it's a international space station effort. So there's not like a uh, other foreign actor actors from different countries. And really cool is that um everyone, every other or every non-Chinese actor, they speak their own uh uh native language. Like there's a South there's African, there's a, a Brazilian, there's a, a Russian guys, and they speak their their language. Uh, then there's like a little slide I can see where they have uh ear earpiece monitor earpiece uh translators. So they can like talk to each other in real time. Plus, there's some, but there's also some really cool like moments where those things fail, and it kind of like again, there's like a, a bit of a subtextual thing about like a, well, you know, kind of reminds me of the the the, the tower uh tower Babel kind of thing. Like where, you know, we're trying to humans trying to make this great achievement, but you know, when the language barriers get in the way, all this kind of stuff. But yeah, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the the whole nationalism thing you know that's obviously going to come up in in the movie that i'm going to talk about as well it just goes that's just par for the course with the chinese blockbuster there's just no way they get these budgets without having to do you know some sort of nationalistic component to it um which is you know it's fine um <clears throat> all right uh liam anything you want to add no no what, what you want to go to uh i felt like you had a perfect transition there to the one you saw and then we can then we can hit cabin that works. So I went and saw yesterday, I went and saw Siddhartha Nan's Patan, starring uh, Shahrukh Khan, uh, Dapika Padukone, and uh, John Abraham, three of my very favorite Bollywood actors. So I was uh, I was very excited. For those who don't know, this is the fourth in the uh, YRF spy universe. YRF is Yash Raj Films. They are kind of uh, the Bollywood, one of the big Bollywood production companies that do like big Michael Bay style blockbusters. They did the doom series and then they've done, they've done a bunch of others and um, they've distributed, they didn't produce, but they've distributed the race series, which can be found on, uh, on Netflix. They're basically all fairly big, dumb action movies. Um, and they started this. I don't know that they started this from the ground up. They've sort of retroactively, uh, done it because this is the first one that really establishes that this is a shared universe. But uh, it started with uh, with Ika the Tiger starring Salman Khan uh, and then that sequel Tigers into High. And then the third one was, of course, My Beloved War with Rithik Rosan and, and Tiger Shroff. Uh, and those three don't really tie in together very much at all, other than they involve Indian special agents and spies. But Patan really makes it explicit <clears throat> that this is all a shared universe. Um, previous characters from other movies show up, including one major cameo that I don't want to spoil. Um, and uh, other characters are mentioned. The events of war are mentioned. The events of, of, of the tiger movies are mentioned. They're all brought up. Um, and so it, it's, it's a proper shared universe, here. but this also, this movie also works on, what are you chuckling at? Liam? I'm just laughing at like even doing a recap of the events of war because the third act is like three paragraphs of like plot <laughs> it's to be like previously on war. And then just like it going on for 90 minutes. <laughs> yeah, they, don't, they don't mention it so much for that, but they do mention basically what they mention is that Rithik Rosan's character is, is still active and still working with, with everybody in that. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, because I, they're clearly building up to the ideas. They're clearly building up to a movie where they're going to have 
uh, Salman Khan, Tiger, Rithik Rosan's Kabir, and Shah Rukh Khan's uh, Patan all starring in a movie together, which might destroy the Bollywood box office if that ever happens. So, but uh, isn't isn't Tiger not Tiger? Tiger because of war. It's like he's he's another person with Tiger's face. Salman Khan plays a character called Tiger. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, Tiger Shroff is not just like John Abraham in this one. No surprises here. John Abraham is not coming back, which is going to be a bummer because I, I absolutely love John Abraham. Uh, people should check out the Force movies if they haven't. He's he's an actual human beast. Uh, he, he he carries himself very similarly to the way Marco's Aurora is just Abraham's not as tall, but they shoot him and make him look as tall in most movies. So he just uh, looks like a giant. Um but anyway, this also serves as kind of a second purpose because this is the big sort of comeback for Sharukh Khan, who is, I don't think it is uh, out of line to say the biggest Bollywood star, uh, if not of all time, certainly of the last 30 years. Um, and he sort of hit about four or five years ago. He hit, he hit, he had a bit of a rough spot. His movies weren't doing as well. And so he took a four year hiatus. There's also, if you follow Bollywood gossip, there's also some other reasons he took a hiatus that I won't get into uh, because we're not a gossip show, but uh, um, let's just say that there's, there's, there's a, Fidelity and Bollywood stars are not two terms that typically go hand in hand very often. But um, <laughs> it took a four-year hiatus and he came back. And the thing with Shahrukh Khan is he's done some major epics, like uh, uh, one called Devdas, uh, you know, but he's never really been what you would consider a a a true Indian action star, not like Rithik Rosan, not like Tiger Shroff, not like Salman Khan. You know, these guys, their bread and butter really is in action. Sharuk's has really been more in uh, romance and comedy with a little bit of action mixed in or these epic historical epics, but like proper epics, not something like, uh, you know, going to a different Hollywood industry like Sira Namashina Ready, where it's this mythology thing. Um, so this is one of the kind of the, the first times he's done true, like, proper action star stuff and he fucking kills it he absolutely just kills it in this you know we've talked a lot about how indian cinema always knows how to hook their stars up and 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 from five minutes into the movie uh if you had never seen a shirut khan movie before you would be like oh my god who is this guy like how is this guy you know and he's always been in shape but he he he's done the Hugh Jackman uh regimen on this one where he's just I mean he's cut to like 16 ways from oblivion just out of granite uh and uh but the thing is is because he has that romantic and comedy background he also gets to be a little more um charming than uh than his counterparts in the other yrf movies you know everybody knows rithik and tiger are my two favorite bollywood actors but certainly in war i don't think rithik gets to show off his charm he's he's too busy being the stern you know leader uh Shrukh khan here gets to just be charismatic as hell both whether it's flirting with Topeka Padukone or uh well frankly flirting with John Abraham during their uh their John Woo-esque uh mono a mono uh conversations um the action's just as crazy as war if not crazier uh I uh I I, I had a smile on my face the entire time uh it to me it was I, I can't quite go five stars because I, I think war is every in almost every respect. I think war is the better movie. And 
but this is certainly better than the two Ike the Tiger movies. Um, and some of that's my allergy for Salman Khan. I'm I'm not a big fan of his, but uh, but uh, this is just a delight and a joy and a blast. And and it it reaffirms my belief that Siddhartha Anand is is absolutely one of the best action directors working in the world right now. Um, there's stuff in this that that is just so ridiculous to even conceive of some of the action scenes in this is just is just so ridiculous to me um and so uh i i loved it there's only for people who are turned off though you shouldn't be for people who are turned off by the musical aspects of bollywood just know there's actually only one musical number and then there's an end credits musical number uh i was surprised i went and saw this at my local cinemark and they actually observed the traditional Indian cinema intermission. Uh, so there was a, there was an intermission halfway through the movie. I, I know AMC tends to, I've heard from people that if you see these at AMC, they tend to cut out the intermissions. Um, but uh, here they actually observed it. There was like a 10 minute intermission in the middle of the movie, which was kind of a nice little pee break for everybody. Um, for people who follow box office, it's done incredibly well. Even here in the U S it's going to end up doing over $20 million, which is uh, pretty crazy. Um, yes, yeah, that's, that's a big deal in, in America. Wow. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, and my theater was, was pretty full and it was, a, it was actually surprisingly a nice mix of, you know, you always expect when you go to an Indi Indian movie to see Indian diaspora there, but, uh, but uh, there was, I was not the only white guy there. There was, it was a, it was a solid mix. I would say it was about two thirds Indian and, uh, and uh third uh, white folk. So uh, <laughs> uh, the, the power of Sharuk, the power of SRK uh, carries us through. I do so, really quick. Yeah. yeah, go, well, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I want to uh, dip into some discourses for a minute, you know, like uh, we, somebody I mentioned before, you know, like uh, there's a, it, it kind of gets a weird thing around people will mention these like really great, legitimately great, uh, international films then they won't see anything else from the countries like you know they'll see Parasite or whatever or oh boy but they won't watch any of the Korean films or you know same with this same with the Indian films they watch RR um but they won't see anything else but yeah it's really good to like actually like it's, it's catching on like you know like, like that it's 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 working you know like people are starting to expand their palettes it's really great well and for me this was the first Indian movie that I've actually seen in a proper theater when I <clears throat> when I lived in Atlanta 20 years ago there was a little uh, it was like an Indian video store that had a theater attached to it, but it was a little tiny theater with bad sound and a small screen. This was the first time I had seen, you know, a, a proper Bollywood movie with like full theater sound and stuff like that. And it was amazing. Uh, the other thing I do want to shout out is, is uh, Deepika Padukone. Um, not to sound piggish, but Man, she's a lot in this movie. She is, she is, she is on fire. Uh, for people who don't know that name, uh, you don't know that name because you missed out on Triple X uh, Return of Xander Cage because <laughs> she has so much ass in that movie too. Uh, she has a back-to-back -back gunfight with Ruby Rose. It's one of my favorite action scenes of the last five years. She's just as cool in this, and they, you know. Bollywood knows how to they hook their stars up and that includes their actresses. She is she is literally burning up the screen in this movie. So um I I, I really can't recommend this one highly enough. I had an absolute blast and, and it was uh, it was nice to get out and go to a theater again. I know I don't do that very often, but this one this one was everything I could have asked for from a theatrical experience. Great crowd, awesome movie. Uh just just an all-around good experience. So yeah, if you I don't know how long Patan will still be 
uh, will still be playing. Indian movies typically don't play for that long. Um, but I think you've probably got one more week. You can probably still catch it next weekend. So I do recommend getting on seeing it. It's also only two and a half hours long. So it's not, it's not a three, three and a half hour one, like a lot of Indian movies can be. So you can, you know, it's shorter than the fucking Batman. So (laughs) get out. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me like, uh, we've talked before about, you know, like, uh, how January movies are actually like are actually pretty solid nowadays. You know, it used to be like the the dumping grounds. The, the beginning of the year used to be dumping grounds. We talked about this on our previous episode with uh, Scott Mendelson. Uh, but not like especially like particularly in the last few years, all the international blockbusters will come out um, here in America on theatrically, and it's like it's it's like you know if you think January isn't worth going to see it, you know, go to the theaters to see. You got to check out these international stuff, the Chinese, any any like anyone. That's you know not the major American ones like that's that's like it's like and it's like it's like full bore like summer blockbuster stuff in January it's like it's phenomenal we we don't realize how good we have it you know it's great. <laughs> well, and it used to be that they'd even if they'd come out they'd only come out in New York and L.A. but they're starting to come out. I mean, Patan is playing in like six theaters around me. Like this isn't like it's just even in one theater and Wandering Earth is playing in you know three or four theaters around me. So. Like these big ones are actually getting play. They're 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 they're. It's not so difficult to go see them anymore. I, I would say that probably has a lot to do with the the lack of competition because there just is not a ton of of Hollywood films coming out right now. Um, so it is kind of like a perfect storm with, uh, you know, some of these some of these ones blowing up like RRR, and then and then now all of a sudden it's like hey. Do you want to see a new movie? Because it's just been Avatar for the last month. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't have Megan on like eight screens, right? Like, even though Megan's doing really well, it, that's not a movie that you can justify putting on eight screens. So you do have to fill them with something. And these, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I did see Megan. I, I do do a quick bottle review of Megan if uh, if you if you'll uh, uh, because uh, my, my daughter, uh, you know, for when she turned 10, she wanted to see it. And she's not really a horror movie person. You know, I've, I've shown her like Terminator 2, though. So I was like, all right, she can handle this. Uh, d- definitely some squeamish parts for her in general. I, I thought it was really good. I think Vice said, you know, what'd you say? Like, a, it's like a, a one of those three star, five star type of thing. Like, yeah, it yeah. knows exactly what it is. My uh, dumb script watching one complaint. And this is this is I, I'm a dumb person. We This is well established on the show. <laughs> when I first saw Gladiator, I was like a little let down because I was like, where's the coup, man? Like, if you like, if you hint at like a big thing happening and then it doesn't happen, it takes me like on the rewatch to like accept it. Because like I was like, oh, this third act, we're going to get the big battle scene in Rome. It's going to be fucking sick. And then like. Ah, uh, and then like obviously, I think that probably would be a worse movie. <laughs> but uh, you know, my, my so there's a there's a a bit of a setup for the third act of Megan that's hinting at like a bigger thing, and then it just kind of all happens like in hallways and elevators. So that kind of uh, bugged me a little bit. Um, and, but then I, I kind of sat with it and was like, well, this is this is the budget level, um, and and the gore level that they're going for. But uh, yeah, it, all in all, really enjoyed it. I still haven't seen it. I need to, I need to get around to watching it, but I still haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. Like you know, like you mentioned the budget, like you know, like, like all you know, this whole big spectrum we have in, in cinema nowadays. Like oh, this, just this year, you have these like wild blockbusters from other countries, and you have like these smaller contained you know, indie stuff. Which actually, one when we came out this week, this weekend, we'll talk about. 
you know, like it's just, it's the the whole gamut is there for you. It's, it's really it's like a really great time, I think. Oh, and then so speaking of of budgets and uh, and 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 maybe a little bit of a horror thing, do you want to get into uh, Knock at the Cabin, which I think you're the only one who's seen, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah right. Might as well, yeah. So yeah, I saw uh, the latest M Night Shyamalan joint, uh, Knock at the Cabin. Uh, kind of based on apparently it's like a really, really popular or really famous uh, kind of psychological horror novel, uh, a cabinet in their world. Um, by the great Paul Tremblay. Um, yes, yes. Very. Yeah. Well, here, let, let me do this. Let me, Um, I'll preempt this with a, we kind of spoiled the movies, but I definitely want to do a big spoiler alert for this one because you kind of have to talk about, talk about it to really get into the movie because uh, the story itself is pretty contained. Well, the movie itself is a, a contained, uh, well, not bottle episode, but a contained story all takes place in the cabin with, with, uh, uh, with minor like uh, interjections of, uh, news from around the world within it on, on TV. So essentially, um, this, the whole plot here is that um, there's a family uh, at the cabin. Uh, these strangers come to them and and, and uh, seemingly accost them, but they they explain to this family that um, the apocalypse is nigh, and they must this family must choose to willingly sacrifice one of their own to to keep the end of the world from happening. So you know, of course, uh, the family it's, it's a very unbelievable situation. Um, but you know, in the in the in the movie and in the book, it's it's a real thing. It's actually happening. Um, but you know, still a lot of a lot of drama. Like, uh, do, does this, does this family believe these these seemingly crazy cultists or whatever? Or what's what's or and even even in the story itself, like kind of plant seeds of like seeds of doubt. Uh, and this is is this an actual supernatural apocalyptic story, or is this some more or more uh, or less grand, more sinister stuff going on afoot? So it plays with that stuff, but no, it really, they, they, it really is a kind of a high concept kind of thing. Um, yeah. So here, the spoiler here. So, um, well, and I, well, for that part of the part of the, uh, I guess, this part of the story that's important is that um, the the couple, the family, uh, they're gay, it's two men and and, and an adopted daughter. Um, so what that, what it is is like a, I think it's, a, well, I think one is able to read a lot of heavy subtext and metaphor about what actually what's happening you know um and in the movie they kind of they give brief flashes and glimpses and also um pretty good pretty substantial moments of dialogue about um how these people and their family have been you know facing prejudice and 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 hatred from the world around them just for existing you know this is a very very um you know this is a very significant story for many people and so here the the they're faced with this impossible impossible task here to um essentially do they save the world that hates them um you know or or you know will, will love prevail or is you know is it more of a the humanity is beyond saving it's kind of the uh central moral question part of this thing um so you know it's um he's done he's had a pretty good great work recently you know well yeah so you know he was the wonder kid back in the late 90s you know he's the next spielberg as previously that he was quoted as being then I guess you know he has his had his flops here and there. Then he kind of came back a few years ago uh, with he kind of uh, went back to the drawing board, went back low key, low scale. You know, after after a series of um, higher concept, higher budget movies, he kind of stripped, stripped it all back, uh, went back to basics with uh, the visit. And it's like a small little contained horror movie about kids visiting their who they think their their uh, their parents, their grandparents. And it's it's, it's, a really, it's really great, it's really um thing. But also you know he also kind of went back to his wheelhouse with uh, his own. Uh, his own universe, the uh, 
I forget what it's called, but the the the, the glass split uh, uh, Unbreakable uh, universe there, which was a great success. Um, so yeah, he's kind of been on the rebound a little bit, especially with a uh, um old his previous movie that uh, was a, kind of a great little like crazy ass weird sci fi sci fi uh story there. Um, so with this one though, it's very strange because it's like uh, M Night, even though he he's he does this pretty intense psychological horror kind of stuff to a degree not not so much gore but like it's definitely like chilling but he's really kind of a softy at heart he's really an optimist a kind of a hopeful guy so usually uh, even though there's like trauma and stuff in the movies they usually kind of end or at least point towards a hopeful better future so to speak and so with this then I, so here no again back to the spoilers so in the book it's a pretty pretty hard uh pretty harsh um, uh, conclusion there. Um, one of the family members dies. Um, not 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 not, not a sacrifice, uh, like an accident. Um, yeah. Oh, so yeah, I'll spoil the book as well. But I'll spoil the spoil the movie. Um, the child uh, apparently um is is uh faces death, and um, it 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 kind of, you know, the book takes takes a really bleak turn, where the family chooses to ultimately like uh, they're on the they'll face the end of the world on their own terms on their own love um what's that love what's up to it um rather than you know uh, sacrifice themselves for the world that hates them but Shyamalan doesn't do that there is an actual willing sacrifice in the name of love and so when I so I watched it and I was like well, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting uh it's a pretty interesting turn of events but also it felt a little like a hmm pull punch a bit you know like uh because you kind of like you kind of agree with one of the one of the one of the fathers. He's like, you know, this world hates us, despises us, to just for a living. Like, why should we save it? You're like, you know, yeah, yeah. Points are made, <laughs> but you know, um, but you know, like the the other father, um, oh, it's so it's so cute. Like, but this, well, I'm kind of I'm kind of going all directions because like I, it was the first time speaking about it to anybody else. Like, you know, um, the dynamic of the family is really great. The daughter calls them it's it's Daddy Eric and Daddy Andrew because she says how she can tell who's talking who she's talking to. And so you know, Daddy Eric and Daddy Andrew, like, like they, they, he's like the heart and the, the soul, and Andrew is the, uh, the, the, the protection, the, the, the fierceness of the father, and you know, they, they ultimately, they, they, they are meant for each other, like as a couple, like any other couple would be, but also it's presented to the, uh, the conflict of the story of, of the, of the strange situation. Um, so ultimately, one of them, one of them sacrifices themselves, and, um, and. And the other the other part of the dynamic is the actual the well I, I would say cult but they're not really a cult but you know the the uh, the people themselves who have captured the family and it's stressed upon you that these are regular people who happen to have these strange visions of the end of the world like they're just regular ordinary people like like you and me but they know they as far as they know are forced into this crazy thing and so yeah so Shaman really 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 um leads into that like you know like using everyday people in this possible situation. Um, but, you know, the key here, of course, is Dave Bautista as the, the main character, Leonard. He's the, the leader, I guess, of this this cult who knows his vision. And um, and if Shyamalan has always been strong strong at um, child actors and everyday people characters, and that's really strong here. But he also particularly greatly uses uh, Bautista's strengths to great effect here, maybe better than ever before. Because you know, I, I kind of talk shit about Batista a lot because like you know people think he's a oh he's a great actor he's a he's an amazing he's gonna get an Oscar no he fucking no he's a he's a goon, but what he is though he has this very specific thing he's like a 
he's basically an explosive gorilla with glasses on who talks in a whisper, and like like but like and he does it like it's like it's like the best he's ever done it here. Like it, it it's that that archetype that template is so perfect for this you know this crazy situation. He had this restrained because in, in the in the movie he's he's, he's a school teacher. He's a, he's a teacher second grade like gym. <laughs> you know it's like crazy. This huge fucking small dude with tattoos is like takes care of kids. You know one of the great economies. But he, he 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 um his presence really amplifies this the crazy situation at hand. So ultimately, ultimately, you know, the, the movie ends quote unquote well in, in that the world is saved and um their love, although they're made to is a sacrifice, the love does save the world. And so, but I'm kind of wondering though, like, it makes me wonder why did Shyamalan decide to do this movie in the first place? Like, because to me. I enjoyed the movie, but like I definitely kind of felt like a full punch. Like it's like a, I think that there definitely is a much more provocative or a, a kind of ending or through line in any other direction. Even even not even just a director from the book. Like you know, like if there's so much to say about that could really like just there's a way to do this movie that could really like, like fuck you up. Like like wow, what what a, what a heavy trip, you know, at the end there. But they kind of he just kind of backs off of it because that's not who he is. He's not that kind of guy. He's not that. He's not a cynicist. He's not a, he's not a you know a nihilist. He's he loves people, so like it makes sense how he did it. But um, yeah, it's just a very strange thing where like, well, I I, I could see a more provocative movie here, but you know, ultimately, I'm okay with what he did because this is M Night and this is what he is. Uh, you know, it's it's he's doing his thing. No, but it's a great question that you're saying. Like, why would you adapt something if you're not committed to? you know, the overall statement or thesis of that project. It's kind of an interesting question. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. So, but, but the, so having said all that though, I, I, I kind of joked last night after I came to the movie that, you know, there's still going to be, no matter, no matter what he did, there'd be some like dumb discourse about it. Because like, uh, as the movie is now, one could, if one was so inclined, you could easily like, you know, oh, this is a uh, M. Night Shyamalan says, See, look, God hates gays. Like, it's like that kind of movie. Oh, no. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's very, <laughs> you could very much p pull that from it if you wanted to. But also, you know, it's more of like uh, if he went the other way, or if he went the other way to where the book goes, people would be like, you see that? You see the, the gay agenda is the end of the world. Like, it, it's in a way, like just kind of putting this out there into the world, it, it's it's open to be received um, poorly or wrongly, no matter what he did. So, I, Ultimately, you know, I, I'm I'm okay with his decision because, like, I, I that's how he feels. That that's what's in his heart, and he's always, you know, he's never been afraid to like, you know, he's never been afraid of bad reception. You know, that that's part of bread and butter, like the other dog kind of thing. So I I I, I, I like I'm okay. I like that. You know, he he was decided not bravely, but uh, to, to resolutely make it a positive story instead of a well or a optimistic story instead of a pessimistic story. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, I I could have seen a if not better, a more provocative movie in this. But as it is now, it's a really solid, like, you know, character piece, great actors doing their thing. Um, you know, interesting questions being brought up. Um, so yeah, overall, how to get, yeah, overall, I, it's definitely interesting movie. And, um, not, not, not one of my favorite, or my favorite Shyamalan's, but at the very least, you know, uh, because of his ending, or, or his changes to the ending, it's, it's definitely a lot to talk about. It, it, a lot of ways people can interpret it. And I think that'll be interesting to see going forward. And hopefully, the conversation about it won't be too stupid, like like how I just mentioned, but uh, you know we'll see. But uh, no, yeah, it, it's um it's hard to recommend it. Well, I mean, if you like Shyamalan, like is like it, 
Shyamalan is definitely one of our most interesting directors out, you know, of our generation. Like, even if it's a bomb or his failures, it's like he's saying something, you know, different. So this is definitely one of those kind of things that I would, if you're if you're interested, even if you're a fan, even interested in, in Shyamalan, I would I would check this out and you know see see how see how see how it does thing. Oh, but so that all said though, uh, you know, as far as you no know, Liam, I, I, if you get a chance to see this, you know, sometime this year, you know, I would. As a director, like just as a pure director, like moving the camera, like this guy, he's like one of the top. Like even he's he's great at it. So like there's um there's parts where he's there's a, there's a quick little like fight scene where I, it looks like it's like a, a snorry cam kind of thing on somebody. So you're seeing them getting beat the fuck up with the, as a camera moving behind them. It's really cool. It's really, I think he had a similar shot in uh, in in um in Split where he's uh, yeah or, no I think it was Glass actually where you know there's the camera shot of like kind of the close up fight. But like you know, from from behind, really cool stuff. It's really interesting, like camera stuff, really interesting direction and stuff. You know, again, even though it's a smaller, simple movie, there's lots of little details, little little movements going on that you know this is like a high level filmmaker. So yeah, for that alone, it's worth worth a watch. Yeah, that's that's the thing for me. I didn't see this one. I have read the book because uh, I like Paul Tremblay quite a bit, and uh, I just I read the spoilers for the ending of this one and. I don't I like I said I haven't seen the movie so I'm going to refrain from any kind of judgment but it, it just Liam it's what you said it's like why you know it, it to me it reminds me of going back to our my immense dislike of the new all quiet on the western front it you know why are you going to adapt this if you're going to so badly butcher the the point of the movie um you know, and I wonder if that's because, you know, there's been a lot of controversy about this movie because Paul Tremblay is almost nowhere in any of the marketing. Uh, almost all of the marketing excludes his name at all. And I'm wondering if part of that is because it is changed so much that, uh, you know, they didn't want to market it as based on the book by him because people who are fans of that book, you know, I have noticed that people who haven't read the book seem to really, really like this movie. And people who have read the book seem to really, really not like the movie. And I'm sure there's exceptions to that, but, um, but it, uh, you know, it, it is interesting to me why you would make as a filmmaker, why you would make the decision, why you would read a book or get pitched a book and go, yes, I want to adapt that, but I'm going to change this, 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 and this, uh, that, you know, to completely change the meaning of the entire story uh you know and, and i will say you know i i wouldn't go far to say it's like a it's, it's not quite a uh verhoeven spin like way he did start the way he started troopers the book with this um arguably conservative and or militaristic story and he makes it a, par a satire of that stuff here i don't it's not that far but there's definitely i think he's like i think someone found an interesting kernel in the story here like a here this this group of marginalized people and in the end, they choose themselves for better or worse. And I, I think that question is so strong enough that he's like, well, what if they, despite all that horror and pain and affliction, they still choose life and they, they still choose the world. And I think that alone is, is a pretty interesting take to, to have on this pretty bleak story. So, yeah, it's definitely, you could say, a betrayal of that original intent. But I think the actual central premise, the core of it, is strong enough of the story is strong enough that, that there can be other interpretations of it and again like we'll, we'll we'll see how you know as time goes on how the reception is like as you mentioned before you know, people who, who have no idea what the book is they seem to pretty much enjoy, mostly enjoy it um, but we'll, we'll see how the, how the box office turns out 
But no, I think it's just on the premise alone, it's strong enough that it does kind of give some uh, a leeway to different interpretations or different spins on it, you know? Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's difficult to yeah. The adaptations are always weird. It's always a strange thing. It, oh, actually, yeah, even kind of a tangent to this, like a that uh, new show on HBO, The Last of Us, based on based on the video game, the popular video game. There's, there's already been lots of pretty significant uh, changes to that story, and also again, actually, now that I think about it, similar kind of. The, most recently, the episode three um, was a pretty big, uh, pretty big reception. That was uh, it's focused on the, the gay couple. We also have to face it in the world. In in the in the video game, it's much more nihilistic. You know, he's much it's much more harsher and darker. Whereas the show kind of makes it more well, optimistic, maybe too strong a word, but like it definitely more care and humanity to it. So yeah, that kind of it's kind of a, I think it's a similar thing in like in that case where like they're trying a different take on using the, the central conceit and going in a different direction. And I, I think that there is room for that, I think. And I think that this movie kind of shows that that's possible. And it, it can be done well, quote unquote, or at least it can be done with, it's not like slash, it's not slapped that together. Like it's just a, 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 a change doesn't make sense. He has his own conceit, his own mind, and it's, it follows through with it. It's not like willy nilly. So I, I do think there's room for that. I have a lot of uh, M. Night uh, like holes from his filmography now that you were talking about it because he was like one of my favorite filmmakers when I was younger and Unbreakable was was I think probably most of our favorite of his. Uh, when you talk about the camera, you know that that shot at the beginning like through the uh, the train seats at, uh, at Bruce Willis as he takes his wedding ring off and everything like that was that was uh, one of those like I, I think also at that time of being like you know, he, he always is, is motivating the camera and the camera is telling the story. And uh, our, our friend of the show, Brandon is a, is a big M night guy. And, and I, I like reading his thoughts on it, but um, I never saw lady of the water. Um, I actually, I don't even think I ever saw the village. Cause my friend just told me the twist at like an asshole. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Uh, and <laughs> so I never bought that. And then I never saw the lady in the water. Uh, I of course saw the happening. Uh, which is a must-watch for any marquee com- uh, completist. And then I haven't seen The Visit, and uh, I didn't see uh, Split or Glass, and uh, I did see Old, which I I, I enjoyed. It was very uh, a, a lot of anxiety in that one. Um, it, it was it like uncomfortable concept, um, but that was the point, right? And so I thought that was fun. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel like I gotta, I gotta go back and, uh, and fill in those holes. And then I just want to say one thing about the, the Batista thing. I, I got to take my own advice on this too, because I, I would always say like, are you reviewing the work? Or are you, are you reviewing the press tour? I don't really care for the press tour and I don't like, it was with glass onion and with this, that like, it just, no one seems to be able to pay the guy compliments without, you know, shitting on the rock. And as my, my rock apologist, I'm just like, why Why can't you just talk about how good he is? Why does it have to be this constant thing? But who cares? I like I like all I like all the wrestler actors. So I, I don't I, I'm just kind of like, again, avoiding discourse from now on on that <laughs> stuff and just be like, this is a dumb thing to make me um, engage in this fucking AI device that's sucking the brains out of my eyeballs. So I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not engaging anymore. I like Batista. 
yeah. I'd love to see him in, in more action stuff. And, um, and, and I like the rock and I like Cena. And so I'm not yeah, going you... to engage in this dumb, who's the best actor thing anymore. It is, it is a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like, it's like ultimately like, you know, like he's doing great work here and, and right. most of his stuff, like, it's like, we kind of forget to just enjoy the work itself because he's, he's doing marvelous stuff. Him, Cena, The Rock, not so much not nowadays, but you know, we'll see what we'll see what happens. He'll be back. He'll yeah. be back. <laughs> no, he's definitely he's de- yeah, like he's he's like the 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 first build, the top build on this movie. So like, he definitely owns it. He he he's done a great job here. Great job. We did talk at uh, just a little behind the curtains. We did talk about doing a special pain and gain episode uh, of the pod, and I, I still feel like that has to happen. Uh, so. <laughs> You know, planting seeds for uh, later on. I agree. I think we, I think we, we do need to do it. Um, but uh, all right. Well, yeah. I, I don't have. I, I have thoughts on interpreting books and stuff like that, but I don't. I don't want to take us too far into the weeds on it. Um, I, I'll just say I think there's a fundamental difference between reinterpreting a video game that is a product of uh, both player choice and multiple, uh, you know inputs and reinterpreting the product of a single mind like Paul Tremblay and thinking you can do it better than him. Um, I, I do, I do have some real issues with that, but uh, you know, I don't want to take us too far into the weeds. Let's switch gears. We put out the call this week for some advice, some yo vice and some meathead corner questions. And you guys came through, we didn't get too many, but we did get a few. So we're going to be able to answer them all. Uh, first and foremost, I want to, I want to do a little update. Uh, if you'll recall the last time we did advice our friend aaron vargas uh reached out to us about how to get his girlfriend to watch more action movies and vice's advice was watch what she wants and this was his response this is probably the first follow-up to an advice segment but yeah basically i ended up just being interested in the movies she loved and now i'm a big magic mike double xl fan it shocked her that i probably love it more than her lmao well, Aaron, I'm glad you've come around on the Magic Mike Double XL train because, as you know, I think that movie is absolute perfection. That is joy in a in a bottle. That movie. Uh, so glad that worked out for you. Vice, what do you want to say to Aaron? Oh yeah, man. I'm not dumb. <laughs> my shit works sometimes. I'm glad you took my advice, or, or you know, our advice, and I'm glad it worked out for you. So yeah, definitely happy for you there. <laughs> All right. Next one up is from our good friend, Larry Sternshine, host of the Real Early podcast, also runs the Woovember account. Uh, This one's not really an advice. It's more directed to all three of us, where he basically says, I do have a question. What would you guys like to see more of in future action movies? Is there something you don't see anymore that you'd like to see make a comeback in the genre? Uh, Liam, let's go to you first. Yeah, this one's pretty easy. Myself directing them. That would be great. Thank you. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Second that shit, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, You know, I I think we actually kind of have answered this question in in recent weeks even about, you know, obviously more time in shoot days and and movies and, and more kind of like movie stars being like, this is going to be my movie this year and I'm going to put my whole you know, being into it instead of, uh, you know, knocking out four or five movies a year and, uh, and kind of shooting me out as quickly as possible. Um, so that's kind of, you know, obviously if, if you have an opportunity to do it, I understand money wise, but I just feel like there's that kind of, um, 
it's it's a it's a little bit of of what we were saying with RRR and, and Maverick and Avatar, just like being these huge movies that had a ton of time put into them. So on the bigger end, that would be that. And uh on on the smaller um you know, DTV world uh, of things, what I'd like to see more of, I guess, you know, I, I, I feel like, um, you know, Hitman's Holiday was a great one of just, it felt like it, there was a lot of Scott in the movie. And so, you know, I guess more of that, just like everybody just kind of, I'd like to see more of the stars um, personalities in the work and, and stuff like that. But I, I don't really have any, too many complaints i guess overall nice uh yeah for, well for me uh, maybe it's probably not what he's thinking of but um well i mentioned this i mentioned this before on twitter i'm not sure if i mentioned it on on the air so to speak but um uh, hmm. i want to see more this is so stupid i want to see more i want to see music uh, soundtrack uh uh needle drops they all suck shit nowadays, uh, and like they they they're usually like like um tired old songs or like um they like these some like esoteric pretentious like I'll use this this like um obscure song from the seventies to enhance the mood the feeling of this movie. Sometimes it works. Like uh, one thing I recall is uh the ending of Us, Jordan Peele, that 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 haunting like little like French melody. That's like it's a really that was a really good moment. But other people like they just like oh, I know this obscure song. I'm cool. No, you ain't. You don't know shit. I want to see more like harder extreme music in movies, like uh, like the Judgment Night soundtrack or the Spawn soundtrack. I want that shit back. I want like the '90s like extreme, but like, but and, and part of this is because well, just um, it's such a tangent here. The reason that came to mind because recently um, I'm listening to some. I've always followed metal and extreme music over the years, but I kind of fell off in recent years because I've been busy and stuff, and so I um. Happy to start getting some newer music in my YouTube queues and my my Spotify's and stuff. There's a really great heart shit going on right now. Um, I saw recently I saw a band called uh, uh, Jesus Jesus Peace. Um, it's like from Philly, I think they are. It's like hard, like chaotic, like hardcore metal stuff. It's really good. And it, it, it's actually a video for it. Um, is uh, uh, I'll, maybe I'll put the link in, or comment on it later on when we post this, this episode. But the video it's only like you know three minutes long. But the video looks like a fucking action movie. It's like the spin kicks and shotguns and knives. It's like this is fucking cool. Like this would be perfect in an actual like action sequence or 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 even let's like a uh, a setup for like an intense moment. Um, and I I, I just, yeah in kind of another wild tangent. Like I think about stuff like uh, when um fucking Baby Driver, you know, where it was like again like all these like weird music stuff to match the action, which was a cool concept, and I liked it to to a degree. But it was still a kind of you know uh, people have their thoughts on Baby Driver. <laughs> yeah, I put it I put it like that. But you know, I I I felt the, the concept was cool enough. I want to see something like that for like you know like a fist fight or a gang war or whatever you know like uh there's so many there's such a lot of interesting really interesting fascinating um technically sound heavy music out nowadays you know because this the, the art of music has advanced so much you know all the guys can play such so really like intricate stuff that still sounds like a getting beat up by, by a gang of, of clan members, you know, like this hard shit. And I want to see that translated onto film because I think there's so much you can do with that. So much is sonically like, you, you, like, uh, uh, well, I think about, you know, like, I remember a uh, green room, the movie about the, uh, the punk band who gets like attacked by not my Nazis or whatever. And there wasn't much actually musical cues per se, but the energy of it all, this punk rock energy with this kind of hard, 
you know, uh, hard uh, Midwest violence stuff. I, I the stuff, stuff like that. Music can perfectly encapsulate that stuff in the movie that into ways that we haven't seen. And again, because again, like both the sk- the skill, the technical acumen, and the techniques of film have advanced, as has music, particularly many music. And I want to see that synergy. I just, I just, you know, just, it's hard to like, you know. But of course, even now, extreme music is still kind of a relative niche compared to mainstream. Like, uh, you know, Michael Mann put the uh, Linkin Park Jay Z song in his, in in Mummy Vice. Like that's some weird shit. But like, it's, it's shit, I'm thinking about it's even weirder than that. But you know, but yeah, this this well, just if that's my specific desire, but just in general, I I, I think there's so much music out there that can be. That we don't normally hear that will do a great service to movies of all kinds, but that's my one example. You know, I want to see them like you know hardcore shit, you know, action movie, and have it match. That's a great. Movie. That's a great. Uh, that's a great one. Yeah, def- great point. And we well documented that. Like, if the if the fucking if if the if the needle drop is older than me, if it's older than forty years, like just burn it in the fire at this point. Like, um, <laughs> we can't we can't do it anymore. Enough with the. Uh, the James Gunn kind of, uh, you know, Guardians one, the that bag of tricks, like everything that James Gunn has used should be retired after he uses it. Like that, it, it worked. It was good. Yeah. No, yeah, more. like like when he did that uh, peacemaker, you know, that, that he had all that. Oh, weird, it, it was that hair. was way better because it was it, it was a little bit more esoteric eighties. Actually, I, I always liked his soundtracks. I don't want to sound like I'm I'm shitting on it. I just felt yeah. like Guardians, the influence of that was then just to to add you know 70s rock to everything that was going for that guardians vibe and now it's become you know we're we're we're, we're almost 10 years away from guardians i was 2014 and so we, we we're, we're we've been drowning in it a little bit and um i just also want a second green room great movie it made me want to watch it again just just thinking about it and uh yeah rip anton that was a that was a great one it's also one of those ones that afterwards i googled how to kill a dog <laughs> Just in case I ever found myself in that situation. <laughs> yeah, you know my opinions on needle drops, so I agree with it. It's again, I still say it's the one thing that keeps Top Gun Maverick from being a an absolutely perfect movie. You know, I love Maverick, but the needle drops in that were just horrendous to me. Um, but uh, but yeah, okay. So for me, I've got I've got a couple. They're they're quick and they're not quite as articulate as as uh, what Vice Vices was. But one. Uh, for me, I want uh, I want rubber suits back. Uh, give me back rubber suits, um, which Liam is trying. Uh, but Fo- uh, foam, foam latex. But yeah. yes, practical suits. Yes, practical suits. Um, two, and this one is specifically to Larry because I know he's going to appreciate this one. I uh, feel like the pendulum on tactical action has swung too far the other way. To where all shootouts now are tactical, and I miss the flowing, uh, balletic John Woo type uh, shootouts. I would like to see some of those back. I I, I agree a hundred percent. I I'm a hundred percent with you on that. I, I just I want some more creativity and flow in my in my gun fu now. I mean, I love the John Wick movies, you know, and, and I appreciate as as you guys know a good tactical shootout. But for the most part, it's like we've completely a lost the idea of using guns essentially as swords or or extensions of our body and 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 incorporating that 
you know, incorporating guns into the flow of a martial arts fight in the way that, you know, say John Woo used to, or, or uh, even fucking Kurt Wimmer in Equilibrium, you know, like, uh, well, what about the Indian movie that you saw? Did they, cause I felt like war was a little balletic, you know what I mean? Yes, 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 yes. They are still, they're still doing that in India and they're still doing that in, in, in China and Korea to a certain extent. Um, Japan definitely has very, you know, some, some pretty flourishing, but it's really, this is really a, a Western specific yeah. criticism. Um, and then the third one that I would like to see is I would like to see kind of a, a bit the West adopt the, you know, we're seeing it more and more in movies, but truly adopt that Hong Kong style, not the way where they made everything up, but where you have a director and you have an action team. And, and because the skills are very different and sometimes a good director, a very good director may just not be very good at doing action. Um, And, but sometimes your action team may not actually know how to direct a movie, uh, you know, the dramatic part. So, you know, and it, it has happened here. You know, I remember talking to Scott uh, when he was on the set of Unleashed that that's basically how that set was. Louis Leterrier handled all the dramatic scenes and all the character scenes. And then he, a lot of times would not even show up on set for the fight scenes. He he just literally let UN Wu Ping and, and UN's team and Jet Li do all the fight scenes. Uh, and, Oh, Hey, guess what? Unleashed is fucking amazing and one of you know my favorite jet lee movies of all time so the system can work and does work i just think you know like again not to bag on it but there's there's certain movies that uh i think the action would be served if the directors got out of the way uh more and just let their action team and i notice it most when i see something like say ava where you know tate taylor who's never directed an action movie in his life uh, decides to direct it. And I look at the stunt team and I look at the second unit director on that movie and there's fucking people like Jessica Chastain was doubled by Amy Johnston in that movie. You know, the talent level in the action team on that was amazing. Had he just done the dramatic scenes, let his action team do the action scenes, Ava might have gone from one of my most hated movies to one that I absolutely loved. Um, so those are sort of my three things that I'd like to see. You know, it's, it's kind of just occurred to me of what we were all talking about is that like there's there's it, there's these successful movies within the genre and then there's all these ones that are just trying to copy it. And so it's like, you know, we're talking about the needle drops like uh, the Guardians uh, and then you're talking about John Wick. That's also successful. And then everyone's trying to copy it. And then it's all of the copycats that start to just kind of add up and, and become this annoyance that you need to kind of like wipe the slate clean. So I guess what we all are asking for is just uh, uh, some more breakthrough hits that, that change the trends and, yeah, I mean, and do something different. That's what burned, you know, the John Woo style out, right. Is right. All, all the, I mean, all the hack copycats that, that, that just had no understanding of what made a John, you know, that they thought if there were birds and shoot in slow motion, that's, and, you know, eight, eight cameras, uh, uh, you know, from every single side of the line, yeah. uh, yes. Oh, and also, I, I, I mentioned this before on Twitter. Like, a John Wick is it's um. There's gun fu in Hong Kong. John Wick is gun jitsu. It's a very distinct mix of tactical guns and jujitsu and some judo. Like the way he the way he fights, he. So like the the older traditional like classic form of jujitsu, um, you know we we know it as BJJ today, you know all the modern grappling, but like. It was originally a samurai art, uh, art art form, 
or because you know they were heavy armor, so they would um get in close. The, the armor's heavy, so they would use throws and locks to down an opponent, and then finish them off with a smaller blade or you know or, or a smaller strike or choke them out, whatever. So John Wick, he does that. He he does these like disarms or he does these um dislocate not dislocations. He gets them in a down position with the jujitsu, and then goes for the headshot or goes for the kill. Like he's 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 a fighting. He's fighting as he's using his whole body to fight with in the gun and the extension, and uh, and and Keanu himself put the work in. He he's, he's a fucking blue belt in jujitsu now. Like that's a very distinct thing. Like people see the the tactical stuff of John Wick, but they don't see the actual martial arts to it either. It's all of one piece, and but nobody has the commitment or the 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 sight to do that to to do that. Like you mentioned, you mentioned the equilibrium, the gun kata, same thing. Like. That's karate forms with the gun. The gun is the extension. So like the you know the, all the stilted stuff. It's it's part of the the movement. It, it, people kind of just they mistake, or they only see the tactical element of it all because you know I guess we're we're gun crazy nation, but they don't see the actual art form, the art martial art form to it either. We, we definitely have to emphasize that more than just the gun part. Well, and this actually segues nicely into our next question uh, from a friend of the show, Maxwell Deering. Uh, he said, if you had the capabilities, who would you cast in John Wick 5 and what locales would you like to see uh, them fight in slash how would you want Wick to take them out? That's a lot of questions. So I think let's just focus on on who would we cast and where would you want to see them them fight? And if there's stuff you guys want to add, let's do that. Vice, let's go to you first. I'm sorry. I I'm apologize to the person who mentioned it on Twitter years ago. Um, I can't remember who it said exactly, but it was Echo Brothers. They got to do uh, the uh, the Hong Kong Hotel, and they got to have Chayun Fat as the master, as the main, the, the maestro. He has to be in these movies. Like he's the Godfather. He's the, the Don of all this shit that they've, they've been doing to a degree. And he, they got to have him in there. You know, I know he's retired. I know he's like you know he's a he's a Buddhist monk now. He gives money. He gives money to the poor, or whatever. But like just to have, just to see, just to see the god of so the god of dual wielding in a John Wick movie. This, 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 this is presence alone. You know that would, that would send me to the roof. <laughs> you can't really top that one. That's kind of that's kind of it. Obviously, uh, I'll be a homer and say I would, I'd love to see Eco. And I know there's been some rumors that he was, uh, you know, possibly going to be in in uh, in three at one point. But uh, so you know, maybe that's one down the line. You know, it's interesting he asked about fight setting because that was another thing in the discourse where people were talking about that. And Vice mentioned it, the clip of the Wakanda Forever on the bridge. And, and some people were saying it looks bad and some people weren't. And, and sometimes it's not that the choreo is bad or, or anything's bad. It's like it's it's just kind of a boring setting for a fight. Yeah. And, um, you know, the waterfall in the first one, it's a great setting for a fight. You know, you yeah. got an edge there. You got everybody around. You got uh, water is obviously super dynamic and it changes how you would stage a fight and everything like that. So sometimes um, it's, it's, it's one of those other components that and people don't really know, but they just know it's, it's not all that exciting to be on asphalt and yeah. nothing else really around you. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, yeah. So I'll go eco. Uh, I think for me, you know, it's tough because I, my list is is getting whittled down with every new John Wick movie, right? Because my my the two obviously I wanted were Scott Adkins and Marcos Aurora, and and well, I guess Donnie Yen, you know. Okay, well, great, I'm good. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
So, uh, but I, I would say I do think uh, going along with the chow yun fat recommendation the Vice had, I think this would would work perfectly with it as well. Is um, Wu Jing getting getting Wu Jing? Maybe he plays. Maybe he plays chow yun fat's like right hand man or or like his second in command. Um, but uh, and then I also feel like uh, the lack of Tony Jaw in the John Wick movies is very very noticeable. So that's another one that that I you know and they can't get everybody in, but there's definitely some there's still definitely i think some big names out there that uh that they could that they could pull in and obviously of course uh since she's riding high now's the time to strike get michelle yo in your movie too get her in a john wick movie like bring her in oh dude yeah you're right if, if not to pet oh her as like the the madam of the singapore hotel or whatever oh my god yeah i mean that would be great if you go in and it's like it's it's chow and it's it's michelle and it's fucking jcpd like <laughs> like smoking a cigar that's like the high table is just all of the legends that would be fantastic oh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> that actually would be incredible <laughs> you can totally see jcvd in this universe because he, you know when he like wants to to be like a slimeball villain it would just be it, 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 with all of the the wealth and uh you know accessorize accessories on point for a um you know a high table slime ball he'd be great <laughs> Why is John Wick still alive? <laughs> as long as they have him, as long as as long as when when they they show, because you know the high table is going to have it. Some sort. He goes symbol. I like symbol. This is my symbol. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, all right. We got a couple meathead corner questions. I'll kind of take them together. Our meathead boys, Chris and Andy, uh, the Jedi Liam's Jedi Council, uh, had a couple meathead corner questions. Uh, Chris's is uh, core strength exercises and ab workouts. He's looking to define his midsection. Uh, I've seen my midsection, so I am not qualified in any way, shape, or form to address this. Uh, so, Liam, let's go to you first. Okay, this is this, these are my my number one two things: make a movie and smoke cigarettes, and then the, the, your abs will just melt away. <laughs> as an adult, that was the those are the only two times that uh, I feel like uh, after being on set and on my feet for hours and hours a day, and uh, you know uh, I don't smoke, but just being around cigarettes, uh, you know, it really really kills your appetite. Um, but yeah, I, I I looked at a picture of that because I was like, when was the last time I had good abs? And it was yeah, the summer two thousand nineteen. Um, but in uh, the Bernhardt thing, I would say um, actual answer is uh, which I don't do enough, and you should do is. Just do do your abs like do a couple ab exercises as part of your warm up so you don't skip it because it's so easy once you finish your actual muscle thing just be like oh I'm, I'm exhausted I'm tired I'm leaving uh, and then you kind of skip over doing the abs so I would just uh, as a as a mental thing just in your warm up stretches whatever end that with like you know three sets of something and at least get that minimum amount done but in, in all honesty I feel like. You know, look, abs are just, it's not going to get any easier. Uh, I, I, I feel like the midsection, uh, it, it actually does scientifically grow bigger and bigger the older we get. Um, so just keep working your arms. That's my advice. It's actually not bad <laughs> advice. You know, again, <laughs> talk about a lot on this is, you know, and I was just singing the praises of Sharuk Khan. Well, first of all, people forget that those guys look like that because they've dehydrated themselves for three days before they shoot those scenes. Um, and and two, they've got an entire army uh, making sure that they can they can look this way. Uh, 
abs as you know if you look at normal people who are really physically fit in their 40s and 50s they typically do not have what i would consider to be you know very cut abs um they've got them they're defined and they're strong there's no question but if you're looking for that real the, the, the real defined six or eight pack, that's a that's a young man's or a rich man's game. Yeah. And and, and again, the last time we were talking about this is like embrace embracing the, the seasonality of fitness because it is not a solid state. So it, those guys, when they're doing the movies and everything, it's like they even talked about it in Maverick, how everyone knew what the day was, that they were all going to be shirtless and they all prepped and everyone was ready for that day. And afterwards they all pigged out because they were like, fuck, great. We don't have to take our shirts off on camera anymore. <laughs> so it is, it's a temporary state. Yeah. Have, for you to- have you ever seen Channing Tatum when he's not shooting? Like dude, dude looks like us. Like dude lets <laughs> go between shoots and then he gets, and then he gets cut. You know, and that's, I know Chris Evans said that was one of the the hardest things for him. One of the reasons he was happy to leave Captain America behind was he just got tired of getting in shape for, you know, and he had a, he had a different problem than some people he's got, he has Chris Barreras' problem for him. It was hard because he had to bulk and, and he was like, it was so much work to just constantly eat and eat and eat and work out and bulk and eat and eat and eat, you know, and then he'd, you do this up and down thing. It's, it's kind of crazy what we expect our actors to do now and what we expect them to, you know, you, you watch an old movie and you look at somebody like Robert Mitchum, man, Robert Mitchum looks like he rolled out of the bar and showed up on set. <laughs> and yet it's still completely believable that he's just laying waste to fools, you know, because he was Mitchum. He, he had Mitchum. Mitchum reminds me of the guys when I used to go to bars that I would hang out with at the bars. These were not men that were in shape. These are not men that were young. They were in their late fifties, their sixties, but these were men that had done things like concrete, for 35 years in their lives. They were people not to be fucked with. And right. so that's the thing you got to remember is so much of what we want from fitness is kind of vanity. Uh, and it, and it's, it's more important to focus on being strong than it is how you look when you're strong, I think. But Vice. Oh, man, I got a pork belly, man. So I'm maybe the one got to ask. But, you know, I have been, well, this is more of a, don't take my advice, but advice I've been, been reading and listening to is that, um, you know, as everybody always says, the diet is the main part of this for, you know, that fat reduction. So, you know, just uh, I think just um, the consistency and habit of diet will probably do you more for your particular goal of shredding, quote unquote, than actual exercises. That's just kind of the way it works for our bodies. Um, but like but like Mike said, you know, just like a, just, having a, just having a strong core is going to help you in life no matter what. You don't need the, the, the ab, the definition is the core part. The actual strength is so in my case you know you know even though i got, my, I got my, my old man gut i'm still doing my yoga i'm still doing my stretches i'm still doing my my dynamic resistance to get stronger because it my you know i was i had to do i had to do uh, ab work in the army for, for fitness qualifications and then you know kind of myself go but now I'm, i see the health the health impacts of not having a strong core so i'm getting back to that just doing doing my dynamic resistance stuff and making sure that i'm, I'm stable and uh you know it, it's my body can function properly so yeah, it's for me. Yeah, I don't really have any good ab advice, but just to say in general, you know, there's many different ways to have a strong core. Um, so that's more more important than anything else. But you know, if you're still going that shredder route, probably be the the diet will be more than anything that will get get you to that point. So, I, and I I don't want to go too into diet because there's so much conflicting information, and I don't want to share things that uh, people tell me are, are are wrong or hurtful or anything. But 
I after that Olive Garden last weekend, I did feel like I hit rock bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I felt so terrible for the day afterwards that I was like, all right, I'm gonna try the uh, um, you know an eight hour e- eating window this week. And so I basically just you know I wake up, I work out, and then I just have coffee in the morning. And so it's basically eating from noon and then eight p.m. After eight p.m., I'd still have a glass of wine or whatever, but I wasn't eating anything. And because I don't like to actually like constrict what I eat. I felt like, and, and, and it worked pretty well this week. I, I, I haven't really been jumping on a scale, but I just felt better overall. Um, and so I was still kind of eating uh protein rich, uh, balanced foods, but I wasn't, um, I, I hate kind of like overly thinking about it too much. So it was very simple to just say noon to eight and, and that, and that worked uh, okay for this week. So I don't know. So someone tell me that I'm, uh, I'm fucking wrong about everything. I, I do want to shout out. I know Liam shouted out. He loves the athlete X workout. I, I do want to shout out, um, nerdfitness.com. I think I've mentioned them before. It's a great resource and a great website. Steve cam, the guy that runs it has really put a lot of time and research into this stuff. And, and what's really great is it's all built around nerds. Like it's, they're like star Wars based workouts and stuff, but they're, they're researched and well put together workouts. It's just the, and he's got a lot on diet. One of his go-to sayings is you can't outrun your fork. So, so vice <laughs> that is one thing to, to remember is if you're trying to shred, if you're trying to cut, you, you got to really hit your diet first. Your, your abs are there. They're under there. Uh, and so what you've got to do is you've got to, you got to cut what's on top of them. And that's going to come mostly from diet. Again, we are not professionals. This is just our, no. on our life experience. Um, all right. Next one is then Andy, Andy, you got to proofread your tweets, your tweets, bud. Uh, he asked favorite shoulder exercises and chest meal. I'm going to assume he means cheat meal. <laughs> so, <laughs> because my favorite chess meal is the motorboat. Hey, oh, hey, all know what our favorite chess meal is. <laughs> oh, we're terrible. Actually, for everybody, huh? Oh, my God. It was terrible. Shout out, shout out to all the bitty guys. I'm going to say it. Y'all the best. All the small ones, too. Everybody's good. We love everybody. Titties are beautiful regardless. Titties for everyone. We need to make that shirt. For real, man. (laughs) All right. Love y'all. My favorite. Liam, this one's going to be a big one for you. Favorite shoulder exercises. Um, well, I would say you know all of them, Andy. Um, but I would say there's a there's some pretty cool finishers that people have been coming up with with plates, like you grab the actual 45 plate. And you push it out front, you push it kind of to the side, and then you do this thing where you people are rolling the plate sort of around their head in circles, then you go back the other way. I found that to be kind of an interesting different, um, it hits different parts of your shoulder that, you know, the, the meat and potatoes Arnold shoulder workouts that we all grew up with, with presses and, and, uh, and raises front, rear, side, all that stuff all well and good. You got to do all those, but that, that plate over the head thing, it really kind of, it burns you in, 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 in the little kind of micro sinews uh, that you're maybe not getting on every other workout. So try that one. Well, that also sounds very similar to what vice does with his Bulgarian bag. It sounds like it is. It is. Oh yeah. I was going to say, so here, so in my case, my issue was that um, apparently I have pretty strong or pretty weak rotator cuffs. Like I've always had trouble like throwing motions for whatever reason well you know i have like short t-rex arms too so you know i can't really i'm not i'm, not, I'm no tom brady but um but just in general like uh i have just in my life i spent my life doing more like um what's what's the um single plane you know push uh, pushing pulling forward and backward or, or like directly side to side i didn't really have a lot of um 
dynamic movements. So my rotator cuffs and my mobility suffered for it. And I'm feeling it now even much in, my, in, my, in this age. So that you said that I got the Bulgarian bag. Um, oh, so yeah, for people who have followed me on Instagram, um, I got this uh, exercise uh, apparatus. It's a, it's a, a bag. It's a cold Bulgarian bag. Kind of, um, I guess the idea is like it's shaped, shaped like a uh, a lamb a little bit, like like a like back in the day, back in the mountains of 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 Belarus, whatever, where the fuck they would carry lambs on their shoulders, you know, like <laughs> so, like you know, and so the constant, you know, like it's ha- having this um this oblong kind of weight and using your and, and swinging it around or moving it around gives you that it 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 makes you activate your all your muscles in your body to do the to properly kind of balance it. So there's like all these swing these swing and movements that are with this um uh, this, with this kind of unstable or this um uneven weight that that just that alone just the unevenness to it um adds a whole new dynamic whole new layer to your muscle activity so yeah i definitely had a lot of success with that you know my my shoulders definitely have a much more increased mobility now thanks to that just just simple movements um yeah so that yeah I'll, um if if you're so inclined yeah i would say um take a look on you on youtube or or, or the uh, just google you know Bulgarian bag, um, and, and you know it, the, the one I bought. It's it's relatively relatively pricey. Um, it's a twenty six. What is it? Twenty six pound bag, I think it is. And it's uh, it was like one eighty, one hundred eighty bucks. But you know, just uh, it's this one one piece of equipment that's, that's all you really need for it. And even with that weight, there's so much you can do with it. It's very it's a very dynamic piece of equipment. Even though it's like a, you know a big old bag full of sand. But you know, it's tough. It's made a lot of the or or, or or um or um polyester or like tough polyester if you don't want to do the vegan route. But yeah, it's a really versatile tool. You can you, you can do actual muscle movements with it, or just just, just stretch with it. Just like a, have a kind of having a kind of weight to stretch your shoulders out. It's just a really really great thing to have. So yeah, yeah, that, that's that's I've had a lot of success with that. Like very bag, I'm really happy I bought it, and you know, and it's going to be with me for a long time. So yeah, that's that's something to look into. And all I have to contribute is I will also say, don't ever overlook or forget the humble pull up. The humble yeah. pull-up is one of the most perfect exercises ever invented. Uh, it works your shoulders, your back, your core. Um, and it's, uh, look, I I don't care how much somebody else works out or what they do. If you can, if you see somebody that can do 15 to 20 pull-ups, that person's in good shape. Like that that person is, is doing just fine for themselves, regardless of whatever else they do. So uh, never overlook the humble pull-up. You know, I want to, I want to shout out, um, Jordan Cruciola, friend of the show, came over to the house uh, on Friday. Um, it was a very uh, amazing uh, gift to my daughter, Ruby, uh, uh, this this art print illustration of uh, Jenna Ortega's Wednesday. And, and we had a great time. And we, for whatever reason, pull-ups came in the conversation. And, uh, and we were talking about that. And I said, you know, I think it was Mom and Dad Saved the World, where the dad, which this dumb movie that's like what stuck in my head as a kid, is that the dad played by the creep uh, from from uh, Stay Tuned and, and Ferris Bueller, whose name is escaping me right now? But the dad hangs on this thing, and he's in. He basically falls through some evil guy's base, and he's hanging on the last rung of this ladder. And he's like, "You can't even do one pull up." And I remember as a kid, I'd be like, "That's not going to be me." <laughs> I went out to my 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 swing set, and I was like practicing pull ups like from that age because I was like, "I I I I got to be able to do one." And so that weird movies that just cause stick in your head forever and there's a great gag in that movie with the the smart bomb and it's like 
well, if you pick it up, it it kills you. And they're like, well, why would anyone pick it up? Because it says right there on the side, pick me up. And every single person picks it up and dies. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I, probably a terrible movie, but uh, it it was life-changing for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, uh, I think as far as cheat meals go, you know, I don't know that based on what we've talked about, I don't know that any of us really do. I never do, even when I work out, I, which I'm not right now, but I don't do, I don't really do cheat meals. I, I either... I try and watch my diet. Like I said, you can't outrun your fork, but if I want a burger, I have a burger. I don't, I I'm not a cheat meal guy. Liam, you don't strike me as like a cheat meal kind of guy. Yeah. I, I love, I mean, I, I, it's generally like fast food though. Cause my kids just love burgers and fries and stuff like that. And, and so, um, yeah, we, and my, my wife does too. I mean, she's the like annoyingly, thin and can eat whatever she wants and <laughs> she always wants to eat bad stuff and then uh but then she'll like she has good portion control you know and so then there was like all, like when we first started dating i just gained all this weight because she'd be like let's go have a burger and then you know I, I, she would eat half of it and then eat half later and i would just wolf it down um so you know everybody's got their got their tricks i guess um but yeah so i i nothing 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 uh too different i think from the the normal person who likes, uh, you know, to have a, have a cheeseburger on the weekend. Um, I, I would, so yeah, again, we don't, we don't have, we're not professional, you know, um, physiologists. So, but I would just, this might not apply to most people, but just in my experience, well, you know, I've always had a bad, bad diet, you know, you know, you know, I was in the army, I would like, you know, eat, eat what you eat, you know, like, cause you never, you never know you eat again. And, you know, that definitely took a toll on me now in my later years. Um, so I don't know if this directly applies to most people, especially the younger guys, but um just I, I would say don't don't just think about the calories per se, but um you know, the cholesterol, the sugar, that adds up, you know, no matter what you do. So, you know, everything in moderation, of course. So like, you know, one burger is not gonna kill you, or one mostly gonna kill you, but like like, you know, like just um just just be a just think about that, you know, you don't wanna like um whatever you you indulge in. Um it's going to come back to you later on, not not just in your gut, like uh, in your fucking arteries and in your blood sugar levels and your your lipase and your liver, like all this stuff can add up to you, you know. So I just um, don't I, I actually you know what? yeah, it's kind of a well, get serious a minute. But so you know, think about my army time, and I I didn't realize till like a few years before I left that um, we had a, I went to a nutritionist just for you know just, just to get some help with um getting weight down, and I realized it. it there's actually a very serious um, eating disorder problem in the army, and I think it actually affects a lot of young people in general now. Um, and that there's a lot, of, you know, there's the, the binge eating, well, like you know, it's, it's less bulk, you know, or you know, let's slow, they'll binge a bunch of you know dense food, and then you know they'll, they'll say they work it off later. Well, like yes, you can work off the calories, but there's the other stuff in it that that will affect you in the long term too. And I know it it's. Um, People don't think about that stuff too often, but you know, like just the rates of diabetes and stuff like that, and heart disease, and 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 um, this, you know, I think that people are stuck on you know this calorie intake, calories in, calories out, but there's a whole it's nutrition is it's, it it it's it becomes part of our body. There's more to it than that, you know. So I would just um, I, yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to like you know be down like you, you can't have a cheeseburger, or whatever. That's not what I mean. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that you know like um. Just try all kinds of food. Like, don't think of it as like maybe I'm gonna ha I'm gonna have the worst food ever. It's like you know, hey, I'm gonna eat a lot this weekend, so I'm gonna try different stuff. I'm gonna try sushi. I'm gonna try Indian food. I'm gonna try all these kinds of different 
different variety of stuff you can have. So the world is full of beautiful foods to try that aren't going to kill you. They're not going to give you a heart attack. Um, so think about that. Just like a, don't just think of it as calories and calories out. That's like a, this is stuff over time. You know, you you have the rest of your life. So you want to try to make it as good as possible. So you don't want to eat all the good things. So you, you have the rest of your life more good things. So you know, like uh, for me, like, like um, all the kinds of seafood that I haven't had before, doing kinds of cuisine. It's like yeah, like uh, don't think that cheat meal means you can eat the worst shit imaginable and then just work it off because it, it, that's it's still there's still effects to it. So just yeah, I, I would just question people about that. Yeah, that's kind of just me personally. That's why I don't like cheat meals, uh, the concept of cheat meals, because I kind of feel like a lot of times people will eat really healthy and they'll feel like they're depriving themselves and they're just building up to their cheat meal. And then they go all in and eat like an entire fucking pizza. Like if you want to if you want to slice, grab a slice. Don't don't build up and then eat an entire pizza. You know, and again, we're not professionals. And What works for you works for you. Great for me the concept of the cheat meal just did has never worked for me. Um, I I'm much better off. Like you said, Liam, that using portion control, cause that's always been my biggest weakness. I, I, yeah, my face full of way too much shit when I eat. Um, but anyway, all right. So, uh, final one, cause we got to wrap up here. Cause vice has got to go. Uh, this is a quick one. Uh, Christian genre filmatic pointed out vice. I know you saw it, but he said, yo vice, uh, Gangland season two Netflix this month. So uh, just to just making sure you were on that. Oh my god, fucking Gangland! Oh god, this is one of the most gangster ass shows I've ever seen. Uh, wait, wait. So how to describe this? So mm, there's a great film from 2015, I believe. The English title is called The Crew. In French, it's a uh, Bracures. That word Bracures it refers to a specific, specific thing. It's like um. A road man, or like a similar to like how we have a getaway car, but it's more like you know, thieves who do like like drive who do stuff on the road with cars. The movie itself is about um uh, this crew of like high level personal thieves who um steal stuff uh or, like steal like armored cars and stuff. But, you know, they don't thieves so on so on so on so on. So that director did this movie. Oh, sorry, did this TV TV series Ganglands on Netflix. Um, and so it's kind of an interesting thing. It was like um, there's a similar, if not characters, or some similar character types from his movie, the, the crew, Breckers, but they're now they're in this kind of newer, almost like a, if a, a novelist uses their same characters in a new novel, but it's not, it's not a sequel. It's like a here's them in a new environment. And the key to this all is the the main actor is a Sami Bouajila, I think is his name. I think he's an Algerian French French actor. He's a he's a world famous actor. If you, if you Google him, you you definitely seen him before. He's like you know he's a high level like you know Oscar Oscar caliber actor. But he, he just he's so fucking gangster in his, in his movie and his show. Like he's like a, he's like a Macaulay in he you know that that kind of that that kind of the stalwart like stern like a uh, professional thief the professional the professional criminal. You know it's hardcore, but he's like focused and razor sharp. And so the Ganglands the show. Kind of has a, has a longer adventure where it's like a, uh, the criminal workings between this 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 crew is forced into a bigger job to um to save one of their one of their friends and their family. So it's like stuff with like the the Algerian mafia, the police, you know, all this really like really intricate, you know, classic gang shit going on. And the show is like the show hits so fucking hard, just like the movie. Um, it's, I think it's gonna be like six episodes, but they, they they go by so quick and they're so tight and contained. Yeah, so I'm, I was I was one of my favorite shows in the past several past decade, I think, honestly. 
you know, definitely as, as far as a few years in the past as, as a gangster show. Yeah, and, and uh, it, it ended pretty well. There's a pretty big definitive things that happened in the, in the show, but uh, they did leave room for a sequel or for the next season. And I'm definitely looking forward to this now because I, I want to see some more games that happen. Because like, yeah, this is this this is like yeah, guys, this is top level, top tier, high level gangster ass shit. You gotta you gotta get, get on this stuff. So, Gangland season two coming out. I think it's a uh, I think it's February 14th, I believe, or the week of February 14th is was coming out. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this. This is, this is great stuff. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, boys, I think that's that's time to to wrap up. Thanks everybody for the questions and uh, the comments. Uh, go see Patan, go see Wandering Earth 2, go see Knock at the Cabin. Uh, Vice, where can people find you? Oh, yes. I am on Instagram, being hot as always. You can see me in my, see my, my Bulgarian bag at Vice Victus. On Letterboxd, I have my reviews of both the Wandering Earth um, and uh, Knock at the Cabin on my Letterboxd at Vice Victus. I want to be smart. And as always, I'm on Twitter at Vice Victus, talking all the shit. Liam, where can people find you? Uh, Liam Odin, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I did want to just briefly mention that I really enjoyed Kung Fu Killer, a.k.a. Kung Fu Jungle, a.k.a. Uh, the Art of Fists or something. Uh, <laughs> that was on uh, our, our favorite streaming service, Hi Ya. Um, I had a great time with that movie and, and everyone, uh, we were talking about how you could remake that plot for every fighting style and I would watch it every single time. Um I, I'm in the middle of Enter the Fat Dragon right now, which my uh, my youngest son is is actually laughing at quite a bit. I don't know if that makes me uh, the best parent or the worst, but uh, so yeah, I, I'm still uh, I'm still kind of uh, just enjoying uh, catching up on 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 all these Donnie Yen movies at the time. So that'll probably still be uh, for the next week, and uh, and also I I have been doing that uh, the hard drives where I'm working on this thing. I think I've talked to you guys before called a Miro board, which is pretty much a huge vision board for movie prep and everyone on the team can see it. So I'm kind of like replacing Dropbox in a way because I still have the Dropboxes, but it's just something amazing about seeing all the, the visuals all kind of laid out on this one virtual basically board and you can see me working on it. So everyone on the team can see me actually moving the stuff around and, and placing it and taking all the scout photos and putting them next to the scenes and then taking all of the reference from the previous movies and putting them next to the scenes so that it's almost like here's the fucking movie and everyone can just see it all laid out in a linear fashion or if you want to do it any way you want to do it because it is really just this big huge virtual um kind of like board like when you see those behind the scenes of production offices where they have all the art lining the wall well this is now kind of a, a great way to do it virtually uh, and so I've been going through all of my old hard drives and I've, I've found a bunch of great stuff and I, I kind of wanted to keep trickling it out. So I, I have some some amazing videos of uh, of the choreo with uh, from Beyond Skyline with uh, with Eco and Yayan that I'm going to post this week. So look for that. Yeah, and it's been fun seeing you post all that stuff. So that's that's been great. Um all right you can find me on twitter and letterboxd at hibachi justice you can find the show on twitter at a4e podcast you can find all of our other links at linktree slash a4e podcast and you're listening to us so you know you can find this show anywhere podcasts are found uh we have a big guest next week and uh, hopefully uh, another one we I want to tease it, but it stuff falls through. And I always feel like the the closer, the earlier I tease it, the more likely it is to fall through. So I uh, just be on the lookout for it. It is a, it, I will just simply say it is a world renowned stuntman, and uh, and uh, hopefully that will be that will be a fun time. So we'll see y'all back next week. Love you, boys. Let's do this again.
Peace.